And people call you that Last phrase that here, they use just, too uh, often. Right I think. before you got nominated it, for the Oscar, right. and isn't like just a supermodel. She's like, a super muse. Why are you so obsessed with me? Attention, attention, attention seekers. seekers. This, this is, is the Attention, attention Seekers, seekers pod. pod. I'm Minori Peters. And I'm Ethan Ackler. And we are two self-acknowledged and self-aware attention seekers who have a deep love for celebrities, it girls, and icons in media and history who are skilled at capturing public attention. In each episode, we'll be recapping the rise to fame of a prominent figure and dissecting what makes them so interesting. Today, we'll be discussing uh, the glamorous singer-songwriter and all-around icon Lana Del Rey. We'll be talking a little bit about her rise to fame and her background, and then also her public image, and really trying to dissect what makes her so interesting to an audience. Before there was Lana Del Rey, there was Lizzie Grant, and at this point, she was more focused on singing in New York bars, posting on MySpace, but she didn't find as much traction for her music at that point. Lately, her unreleased has had a big moment, and since her laptop was stolen, the songs of the Lizzie Grant era have gained a lot more popularity, but reaching mainstream success for Lana Del Rey came more after her name change, and she actually prefers that her new music is being what's popular rather than her unreleased. Mm-hmm. But there's this sort of like allure and like interest um, towards her unreleased music. Um, I would say, like, yes, it's really good but also maybe just like the fact that it's it's sort of unreleased itself like it, it's kind of like those who are fans of her are sort of drawn to the the idea like it's special to them like they, they have this interesting um knowledge or insight into into those songs yeah that's true and it is capturing a very different era of her life in a sense Mm -hmm. and that's part of the reason she doesn't really want it out there yeah for sure i mean like in terms of lizzie grant or you know elizabeth woldridge grant which is her real name um she had like a very interesting childhood um she she grew up fairly like comfortable her family was very um I would say, like, not, like, uber-rich, but, like, um, at least, you know, middle class. And and despite having kind of an estranged relationship with her mother right now, um, she did see her father as a prominent figure in her, in her life. Um, she, she sort of, like, had learned to make it on her own. Of course, you know, like, networking and, and uh, you know, like, working with other people to become who she is today. But she did have to, you know, find herself at an early age and discover and and sort of build sort of a career um, out of her talents and stuff like that. Um, you know, she she did go to university um, or I guess college, as they call it in the States. Um, and she went for, I believe, a business program, but also minored in metaphysical philosophy or some sort of philosophy. And originally she didn't want to really pursue the, the singer kind of songwriter career. Um, she always had an interest in it, but like it, it didn't seem like it would be sort of the path that she was ready for at the time. But then throughout, you know, university, she actually um, was interested in in writing music and, and making it like a full-time thing. And thankfully her professor allowed her to take some classes, I believe, at home. And then she got the the time to really like work on those songs and stuff like that and publish them, which is probably the era of her like unreleased music, right? 
And um, in terms of Lizzie Grant, she used to, you know, perform in um, singing competitions. Um, I believe she had won this third place competition. Uh, third, she, I believe she won a competition and came in third place. And then she actually had met this producer, which helped her to, you know, boister her career. I think it's boister. Is that the word? Bolster. To help, like, catapult her career. Um, she would sing in like certain bars to like, you know, get her name out there and really showcase her music and stuff like that, all taking place in sort of New York and stuff like that. Um, Lizzie Grant, um, sort of that era was a lot of, you know, there was some experimentation for sure. You can see that with a lot of these stage name changes, um, certain like um, topics discussed in the album. Like I think her... Her most prominent album from the Lizzie Grant area was um, AKA, like Lana Del Rey, AKA Lizzie Grant. Um, a lot of like um, talking about like, you know, relationships and love and stuff, but, but sort of that like the 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 other side of it, um, the deeper side, the melancholy, a little bit of that. You see like the early workings of Lana Del Rey in that. It wasn't until like really she released that album, Lana Del Rey, AKA Lizzie Grant, that um, people started to really like notice her. Um, although she did pull the album from the shelves, um, she, I believe, just didn't really fit with the the sound and the, the um, I guess, persona, if you would say it like that, that was um, being put out and she, she did pull it from the shelf. Um, I know she went to, you know, um, England and she had been working with um, pro a producer that she met and they worked on um, her actual debut album which is considered her debut because as Lana Del Rey and it called Born to Die um, she had worked on it um, in England and um, then it was released in 2012 um, interestingly usually debut albums don't like you know become that popular and successful like when it was released, um, part of the reason it was so successful was because of its single video games, which is yes. known as her kind of like, her, well, not only her like first song that became popular, but it's really like, um, it's really regarded by fans as something special, something like... Um, Definitely. Special, I feel like yeah. there's such a unique sound to it. It's almost cinematic. Uh, it's dreamy. Dreamy, like... It's sad, like, if you look at the lyrics, like, it, the relationship seems great and stuff like that, but, like, it, 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 there's a sense of, like, almost, like, potential loss, and, like, mm -hmm. it's very beautiful with the orchestral strings and stuff like that, which I know is a lot of experimental stuff. Yeah, um, and I think this sound kind of, or not the sound, but the themes of it, her cinematic kind of dreamy quality that she has is something that's remained pretty consistent throughout her albums. But I do think every album has also, in a way, marked a distinct era. Mm -hmm, for sure. I mean, Born to Die itself was probably the polar opposite of something like her more newer albums like Chemtrails Over the Country Club. But um, yeah, so in terms of her debut album, she had released... Um, Video games in 2012, it it got really popular. Um, there was a music video that she created for it, which was kind of its own like aesthetic. It was a lot of like spliced footage from online, like let's say, um, just like a video of someone skating or like this couple, one of them being drunk and like the other like helping her walk across the street. And she put all of those together along with videos of her like singing the song and 
that was the video games music video and it got really popular actually and i know like the weekend abel he he had heard it and he really enjoyed it and he promoted um video games on his twitter i believe and um it was around that time that lana started to get really popular i believe even she had like shows that were like kind of selling out and like she was like this debut artist and a lot of like music execs were like wait who is this and she was able to like kind of like get the opportunity to perform on SNL and there was a lot of controversy surrounding that because when she had performed SNL it was regarded as one of the worst performances of all time um although it's probably blown out of proportion it wasn't necessarily the best performance um although she did receive a lot of um criticism um specifically surrounding her own identity as like an artist like is she just this airhead pop bimbo um who's like using her you know attractiveness and beauty to like make sales is she a puppet and yeah. stuff like that i think she's been criticized for a lack of authenticity a lot of the times before because of the image that she has curated but i don't know to me it feels like this is who she really is um, she has also said that there is no difference between Lana Del Rey and Lizzie Grant, really. Like, she feels that those are the same person. It's not a character she puts on. Mm. Do you agree with that? I do, in a way. I know one thing that she has stated, like she wrote, I'm just a glamorous person singing about the realities of what we are all now seeing are just prevalent, emotionally abusive relationships all over the world. And this was in response to criticism over saying she glamorizes abuse. I think it's because of her presentation as just the person she is, who is honestly very glamorous. And a lot of the style inspiration she takes from is like old Hollywood, Americana kind of glamour. And I think that makes it seem like what she's saying is aestheticized when really I feel like she's being honest about kind of what she's lived through and what she's experienced. Yeah, for sure. And you can even see that in her early music. Like, a lot of her early music still touches on a lot of the topics that are seen, is seen in her music today. Um, mm -hmm. Just maybe even, like, a, a certain kind of intimacy into yeah. her past life. And I think that's one of the reasons she doesn't want the Lizzie Grant era music shown as much, because it is from a very dark time in her life when she was dealing with abusive relationships and grooming. And... Mm -hmm. She did say that for a long time, it's just that this is the kind of relationship that she knew. Mm -hmm. And that's why she wrote about it. Yeah. And I think when people criticize her, whether she's being authentic, is she just like this industry puppet? Like, first of all, we don't necessarily know. You do acknowledge like it's possible. But it seems like over the course of what the past decade that she's had a career as Lana Del Rey, she seems to consistently like showcased certain sides to her and give like real a real look into her life and stuff like maybe for a certain degree all artists have some sort of fabrication or emph emphasize story line about them like it it may not be 100 percent truth but it doesn't mean it's just false um but yeah i think one of the things she does as a storyteller which i think comes through a lot in the lyrics of her music is that she kind of inserts her experiences into, yeah, this kind of story she tells through her music. But I don't know why that's criticized as much as a creative who maybe does like movies or TV 
kind of inserts their personal experience into characters that they make up. Like, to an extent, I think public image is always going to be a bit of a character that we put out to the world. But I do think in her music, you can see the honesty of her experiences come through. And I think the progression of kind of her album shows that as well. Because I feel like Norman Effing Rockwell was such a reflective album on her experience with men compared to kind of maybe the music that's more criticized, like in ultraviolence. Mm-hmm. And I do think maybe that's reflecting her own personal growth in a way. Mm-hmm. I even know with that song, Ultraviolence, like one of the lyrics. Um, so I believe that she had used a lyric from Carol King's song. It was, he hit me and, he, and it felt like a kiss. Um, there was controversy around that. It's there like, was a lot, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, you are glamorizing abuse. Like, there's this sort of like good thing about that um it's this sense of what safety um that violence is somehow like an out of a sign of love but when looking at the lyric again um it it seems like lana's not really saying that she had thought that because if you look at the entire lyric it says jim told me that he hit me and it felt like a kiss so it's the character of jim telling her lana del rey that when he hits her it feels like a kiss, like out of a sign of affection and love, which is toxic for sure. Yeah, and I think this comes from the authentic side of her that does tell about how this is the kind of affection and relationships that she knew for a long time. And I think rather than like glamorizing that experience, she's more just being honest about it. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's a this or that situation. I do think to some degree when you are talking about serious topics and there is a sense of um you know appeal from fans and stuff like that and if she's a glamorous person like making it seem like this the cinematic quality like almost like a movie like there's this allure to it then it's possible that you know there is this sort of glamorizing of the abuse itself although i i would say that in terms of her intentions they're mostly like surrounded around telling her story and trying to share a look into someone who just lives in in like the society that we live in there's so many people who understand her experience and relate to it and they find safety in in not feeling alone and being able to feel like they're heard and i think that's one definitely good side about being honest in music like of course um there will be others who are influenced by that and may play into that but also there i've heard a lot of people who like have had kind of similar experiences to lana and they just feel like they are you know heard and that someone gets them on like a grand scale because in the end celebrities they are they have this certain relationship with their audience and fans for sure like they influence them to a certain extent but they also kind of like connect everyone and especially when you can relate to a celebrity in terms of maybe their authentic self um yeah it seems that a lot of fans feel like they aren't alone in their scene and there's a sort of connection that um you know it, it enhances the music to get into kind of her public image some i think that one of the most interesting things about lana del rey is this air of mystery that she's cultivated and i think it's interesting that she's become such an icon in a lot of different spheres online without being able to really be pinned down as any specific thing like um BBC called Lana Del Rey one of the most fascinating and mysterious artists of her generation. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. I definitely think that's kind of like the, if she's not going to call it persona, I would probably argue that there is some sort of degree of persona. Like I feel like the persona is that sort of fascination and allure and mysterious quality to her that keeps, um, that keeps fans so interested. Right. Yeah. It definitely could be that she just doesn't want to be in the public eye too much. I think you see it with other kind of it girls in the media too, like Alexa Demi or Lily Rose Depp, where they have this air of mystery and that's what makes people drawn to them. And I think that's interesting because a lot of times you think to be kind of regarded as a prominent figure, you need to put everything about yourself out there so that people can relate and connect to it. But it's kind of like the way that she holds back is what makes her so intriguing. And I don't know if that comes from maybe people are able to project more onto her or if they're just fascinated with figuring out who she is. Mm, it's definitely like more than a one determinant thing. Like there's so many sides to what makes up the dynamics at play between a celebrity and their audience. Um, touching on what you were saying for sure, like that, that almost like when I say persona, like I don't... F- I feel like the the typical recognition of what a persona is is very like, oh, you are like fake. You are being controlled to exploit us, the audience. But not necessarily. A persona a persona can be mitigated. Like let's say an artist, they are telling a part of their lives, but maybe they don't want to show everything. Maybe they want to creatively explore other you know ways to tell their story in a more artistic way like it can be a little dramatized or it's not exactly you know like the the pure authentic experience that they had but they do tell it in the way that they intend to in order to either you know share their story but not too much or to get a certain message across and I think with Lana like you see a lot of the the songs um they're definitely I mean, it would seem like they would be related to her life unless for some reason it's not. But um, I think that overall, like, you can sense this authenticity within her words, her writing. Um, and you can see that over the the decades worth of her albums. Like, her first album, Born to Die, being, well, the genre itself was very, like, oh, um, pop-influenced, hip-hop-influenced, um, which transitioned to ultraviolence being very, like, rock and rock pop and stuff. But, like, you even see, like, all the way to her most recent album, which has this folky quality to it. And you see her kind of not rebrand, but, like, explore different sides of her palette in terms of how she expresses herself and it doesn't feel necessarily like rebranding to me because I feel like her music always has kind of this like cinematic dreamy dark glamour quality to it but it's like she is exploring different sounds and it feels more just like progression it does seem like progression and you know what the the in terms of the timeline of her discography the themes are very consistent. Like, her lyricism is very consistent. There was, like, a question whether she was actually, like, writing her own songs. But she has proven that she actually does write her own songs. Yes, with other help, uh, people, with other people who help her. But she she does, you know, write her own songs. And Yeah, and, like, this woman is a writer. Mm-hmm. She has that poetry book. Mm-hmm. That's how she um, processes her, you know, experiences, her feelings, and 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 really gets it out onto the page to to showcase um, and demonstrate that in a very t- tangible way, not like in, in internal feelings and stuff. Mm-hmm. She she like she doesn't have to prove herself necessarily. Like she, 
Well, I mean, she has posted her, you know, old writings um, when she was a teenager and a kid to her kind of it's private. It's her private Instagram account um, that she's posted to there. And she she is a writer. She has always loved writing and that's the way she likes to process her experiences and um, you know present it and stuff like that I know she said something too I remember hearing about her talking about how the way of this sort of rebranding as many people call it from Lizzie to Lana was um, for a long time her unreleased music she had kind of written them for what producers may have liked and stuff like that she had written it she had wrote a lot of the she had she had wrote a lot of these songs um to appeal to a certain audience and it wasn't really clicking with the audience and stuff like that um it was very not just like poppy but like it didn't really showcase her her true potential so it wasn't until like let's say video games which was very polar opposite almost well Okay, it wasn't until video games, which was almost like a different part of her, you know, musical writing, um, which was more like raw and, and melancholy, that it started to kind of bolster her career. And she had said that, you know, I just started making the music that I wanted to. And it wasn't until she did that, that it really caught fire. Yeah, and I think one thing that's interesting about Lana and her public image is kind of that she's been internalized as an aesthetic in a way. Like rather than people just enjoying her music, I feel like there's this very like phrase of like Lana Del Rey core that if I say it, people just understand it. Okay, yeah. It's like rather than, I don't know if it comes from her unique sound or anything, but I feel like maybe it's because it does elicit a specific feeling within you, but it's almost like Beyond her music, Lana Del Rey has become a figure that so many people see as like a symbol or just an aesthetic to follow. Mm-hmm. And that's really interesting to me. And it's especially had a huge resurgence on TikTok, especially with her unreleased music. And I feel like it's not unlike what happened on Tumblr in 2014, where she kind of had a similar following And maybe this is just the next generation of, like, angsty teenagers on TikTok. But something about her music makes people, like, fully internalize it as an aesthetic. Mm -hmm. I mean, I I definitely can see that. There's a lot of people who will kind of immerse themselves in her music and um, the the world that she's building um, to certain degrees, of course. Yeah, I just think that's really interesting. And I wonder what it is about her persona that makes people do that. Mm. I know that like, as an artist herself in the pop industry, she kind of carved out this new kind of genre for herself. People call it sadcore. People um, know that she's like very indie alternative, but with a cinematic touch and flair. And yeah, I can see that a, a lot of this like sad girl aesthetic quote unquote is very like um, acknowledged by the public, although that might not be her full intention. Um, she does like she has carved uh, a path for a lot of artists like Billie Eilish or mm-hmm. Olivia Rodrigo or like like just a lot of artists who are able to explore this kind of emotion of melancholy and sadness within their music. Um, and adding, she adds this sort of um, aesthetic to her music, which becomes an aesthetic because it really wasn't too much of a thing 
Yeah, I feel like it's even like people have taken what she's put out and just ran with it. Mm-hmm. I think people... it's become like its own thing outside of what she intended. Yes, and I think that naturally does happen. I feel like there's, it just when when an artist、um, exists, there's a lot of other influences that、um, create this sort of perception of them,、um, and it may not even just tie to you know them personally. Like even a lot of like things that their fan, like Lana's fan base might do, is conflated with her own like opinions and interests. Like I know that weird, like not weird, but like well, yeah. Was it like the TikTok thing, like burning Bibles or something? Like I don't remember that, but I would not put it past Lana stands. Yeah, like there was like a lot of these Lana stands who had like made this trend. I think mainly for jokes, but then like, I saw like a lot of comments would be like, oh, like don't like Lana Del Rey, but like it wasn't her, like. Who was doing like that? Like it was her fans, and she's getting like conflated with that, and she doesn't. Yeah,、really、I think she's very much been kind of associated with this coquette, unhinged girly Sofia Coppola, hell is a teenage girl kind of aesthetic.、Mm-hmm. And maybe it's because those were the consumers of her music before, so she's very much associated with that. But it's interesting to have someone who has such like a mysterious persona, isn't super. Open to the public, really. Exactly. Get this much of a huge following that just associates her with such a large online movement.、Mm-hmm. And I think just taking all that information, I feel like it's interesting that she doesn't really engage with the public as much as the typical, you know, celebrity celebrity would. And it it seems like her her persona in a way. Yes, she maybe feeds into it, but it seems. There's that authenticity that feeds into it, but I also think what you were saying about this like aesthetic, like it seems to be crafted by the people who are consuming her music. She never labels it as one thing as this, but it's kind of us processing the information that she's putting out to us, and、um, yeah, and and that's the kind of aesthetic that we associate it to her with. Yeah, definitely. And what do we think makes her so captivating to her audience? Hmm.、Um, well, definitely, like the ability to, I think, world build. Like she's able to stick with consistent themes and、um, show these different characters that affect her life. And when I say characters, it doesn't mean it's just contrived fictional people, but really just figures in her music that you know. It it shows this progression of a story, a journey, and it's kind of like the fans immersing themselves in that music a little bit. Yeah, definitely, and I think it's also kind of her authenticity that comes through. But at the same time, she's just a glamorous person, in general. Like she has never specifically said she has a persona or a public image, but I think the way that she is so authentically glamorous. And this kind of old Hollywood aesthetic that she has is something that is very captivating to a lot of people. And overall, I do think her air of mystery makes her just more interesting to look at. Because when people find her unreleased, when they, you know, see the rare paparazzi pictures of her that comes out and everything, or they kind of hear about her doing something like putting. A billboard for her new song only in the hometown of her ex. It kind of is like unlocking a little secret about someone you look up to so much. 
Yeah, that's so interesting, actually. It's like leaving little seeds to, like, explore and find, and then you just get deeper into kind of, like, the connection to that artist and their music. And Uh, there is something where, like, mystery can be a very attractive quality in someone because you want to know more. mm -hmm. And I want to tie back a little bit to her SNL performance. So for video games, um, she was criticized, yes, for being kind of like, oh, is she real? Um, Is she a puppet? Um, She's just this like talentless bimbo airhead. And even like there was some misogynistic undertones, like because of her music um, having this kind of exploration of like love and sexuality that she was kind of like regarded as just the stereotype of the dumb blonde. Um, But then, you know, like, she has proved her her talents, her artistry over the past couple, what, no, over the past decade, um, more than that. And it seems like over time she has been recognized by the fans and critics alone that, um, you know, she is, she has made an impact in terms of the, you know, pop sphere and and the industry itself. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And I think she's a really kind of interesting, prominent figure to look at because when we look at a lot of figures in media, they have worked to cultivate a specific image or persona that works for the audience. But it almost seems like Lana Del Rey's persona was cultivated by the audience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I think that's like a really interesting insight into it because... There, once again, it's a relationship between the audience and the the artists themselves, and it's about where does that um, where do those forces come into play in yeah. terms of cultivating this kind of connection, and the connection being the persona that the audience engages with because they don't necessarily actually talk to her in real life and get to know her. It's sort of this like mitigated sort of transitionary type of relationship where you engage with what is being outputted and you take that and you process it and input it into your own mindset and well-being or into your own mindset and being. Yeah, and I think what we can kind of learn from her is that sometimes it is best to stay true to your own experiences and mm-hmm. just do your best to tell an honest story. Exactly. And sometimes that's what people are attracted to. Mm-hmm. And sticking to your guns. She's, she remains consistent. She, she really does. Mm-hmm. She, she does, you know, she, she doesn't give in, I guess, um, which is another thing, quality, that's a little contested. But, um, you know, she, she feels like she's, you know, speaking her truth. And, and um, it seems consistent in terms of, you know, her talents and abilities as an artist and, and putting out the music that she wants to make and it not being influenced by other people um, in terms of her persona and stuff like that and really making it for herself and the fans. All right. Thank you so much for listening to our first episode of Attention Seekers Pod. We hope you enjoyed and found a lot of like valuable insight in exploring the artist Lana Del Rey and you know seeing what makes her so appealing to like an audience and, and her fan base. If you're interested in prominent figures in media and history, dissecting their rise to fame and what makes them so interesting to an audience, tune into next episode where we will be talking about Paris Hilton and the power of creating a character with intention.